Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. I am your host, Derek Loda, and today's guest is Will Coleman from Rand Capital, which is a mortgage broker for multifamily and mobile home park properties. This episode, Will discusses a little bit of his background, his experience, which allows him to give a great perspective and speak to an update for the lending market right now and what you can do to best prepare and look as strong as possible as an overall team to be able to get the best financing for your property. Enjoy the show. Will, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Derek. Glad to be here. Yeah, I know uh, today kind of touching on uh, the financing aspect, which is uh, a key component. That's the way that that deals actually get done. So uh, excited to have you on, touching on some market updates, what, what borrowers should be looking for, looking to do, how to kind of best set themselves up to get the best uh, best financing for whatever their deal is. Um, but before we jump into things, would you mind just giving a little bit of a background for who you are, what you do, and kind of how you got to where you're at? Sure. And I, and I would argue the lending is the, the most important piece. Of <laughs> I might be slightly biased, but that, that'd be my argument. Yeah. It's um, not getting done without it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so um, like you said, my name is Will Coleman. I work at Rand Capital. So we're a, a mortgage brokerage that f- so focuses on finding the ideal type of financing for apartments and for mobile home parks. Um, so I, I, I always knew I wanted to get in multifamily. I actually started as a leasing agent to learn the operations behind it. Um, and then once I, I got tired of being a leasing agent, I went and worked at a commercial real estate bank in Texas where we would lend on all different types of real estate, retail, industrial, single family, multifamily. Um, and then, uh, then recently progressed to, uh, working here at Rand Capital. Um, and it's, 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 uh, it's definitely something I, w- I would enjoy more, right? It's, it's, you know, we're building a business we're uh, decision makers and having the opportunity to, to lend on larger projects and, and probably, you know, more meaningful projects, um, has, has been a, a great ride so far. Yeah, and I, it's it's been quite a year for for lending, a lot of uh, twists and turns um, with everything, and you know, again, making a switch. Uh, I think it should only get easier from here. You'd think, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you mind uh, just kind of discussing kind of where we're at with the lending lending market? What uh, what we have for any updates that that people should be aware of? Yeah, so I mean. Um... Going back to the beginning of the year, I, I mean, I joined Rand Capital in January of this year. And so starting a new job is, is hectic on its own. And then two months into the job, COVID hits. And, and anytime you're lending, I mean, that's, that adds a whirlwind to it. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's accelerated my learning curve t- t- for the most part. But in, in, in terms of what happened with COVID in the beginning of the year and kind of where we are now, basically... Leading up to the beginning of 2020, we were in probably some of the most uh, liberal lending environments possible, just because we'd seen a 10-year upcycle of, of, of economic growth. So you're seeing optimal terms, you're seeing low rates, uh, you're seeing uh, lenders being willing to lend to borrowers that are newer, um, taking slightly more risk than they would in a general environment, just because the economic growth had been going on for so long and had been doing so well. And once COVID hit, all of, all of a sudden the rental collections are in question, the valuations are in, are in question. So 
lenders have to make a decision to be slightly more conservative. And it, it, at the very beginning of the year, what they did specifically Fannie or Freddie, they uh, enacted um, what, uh, you know, there's different names for it, but basically COVID reserves. So they're requiring um, principal and interest reserves to be held in escrow when you close a loan with them. Um, that is the uh, original risk mitigation in order to, uh, you know, it, it, curve away from the risks of rental collections going down or valuations having troubles. Uh, but surprisingly, I think each month everyone is expected, okay, this is going to be the month that collections go down. And, and, and over the past 10 months or so, collections have stayed almost exactly where they were in 2019. Like I've been almost humbled by how incorrect I've been of where collections would be. Um, so lenders now have to make the decision, you know, Collections are staying strong. Uh, the loans that went into forbearance, so forbearance being uh, the, the borrower went to the lender and asked, uh, can we not have to make our payments for the next three months and then we'll pay you back later? So a, certain, a small percentage of owners did go into forbearance. And now we're in a situation with Fannie and Freddie lenders <clears throat> where no, there's no new loans really going into forbearance. It stayed steady for the most part. And a lot of loans that were in forbearance are now paying and are out of forbearance. So uh, all of the signs that uh, the, the multifamily market is still very strong. And now we're seeing how is lending going to react to that in the coming 2021. Um, so that, that's kind of the period we're in right now. Um, and I mean, we're still in, in the lowest interest rate environment in U.S. history with the, obviously when the flight, the treasuries, when there's so much risk in the environment, so many people move capital towards treasuries and that caused the treasury to you know, plummet. Um, and, and the Fannie and Freddie based their interest rates off the U.S. treasury. So interest rates are crazy low. Um, and, and we're kind of in that environment of what are lenders going to do uh, as, as the signs are still showing you know, relatively strength. Um, and one thing, this is probably the key piece right now is lending is doing is they're lending to experienced borrowers. So it's, if you're a new borrower, it is more difficult than it would have been this time last year to get a loan from Fannie and Freddie, but also from your, your local bank um, and really any type of lender. The, the lenders, the biggest way that the two, probably the two biggest ways they can mitigate risk is lending to a borrower who's been doing this for five, 10 years, or a borrower that has strong financial assets in liquidity or uh, real estate, whatever it may be. So the biggest piece right now is, is lenders in general are preferring to lend towards experienced borrowers or people that have very strong balance sheets. So that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway that your listeners should take is that if, if you're newer, find a partner, or uh, uh, you know, start be, expect to get some confrontation from lenders. I would say. Yeah. So looking at that, you know, I a few weeks back, actually, yeah, about a few weeks now uh, from when we're recording this, I was uh, at a finance right boot camp, and and you were talking about kind of the all the factors that the lender is going to look at when you're applying for a loan. Um, yeah obviously just touched on the experience, that balance sheet, but 
Do you want to just go in a little bit more for kind of how to how to set up that story so that you're in the best position uh, to get it, especially as you know someone who's who's new into multifamily and you know trying to get that first deal done? Sure. So I'll start with um, if you're a new borrower and let's say you're going to take down a, a 10 unit deal and you're going to go to a, a community bank down the street and your local, uh, I don't know, X bank, whatever it may be, ABC bank. Um, the biggest thing is, is have your documents in order. So have your personal financial statement in order, um, which by the way, we have a, a, a a personal financial statement uh, document. So if you go to rancre.com forward slash PFS, uh, you can download our free personal financial statement that's built specifically for, for lending. Um, so have your personal documents ready. So have your personal financial statement, your tax returns, have your, your business plan, kind of a summary of your uh, sponsorship group. I mean, this is a must right now. You really need to have your documents prepared. Um, and then call those lenders, ask them, uh, you know, what kind of requirements are you needing in, in, a, in, a, in a borrower? What kind of net worth are you needing in a borrower? What kind of liquidity? Uh, and they'll tell you, I mean, they'll be very upfront with, uh, you know, we expect the net worth relatively close to the loan amount, liquidity, you know, plus or minus 9%, 10 to 10% of the loan. Uh, and just take an honest look at your personal financial statement and say, okay, am I close to being able to qualify or not? And if you're not, then you know it's time to go look for a partner or call a couple other banks to see if they are looser on their requirements. So um, each bank is going to have different requirements, but they'll all be relatively similar. So understanding what that bank is looking for in order to qualify for a loan and then being, again, being honest with your personal strength and, and can you qualify for a loan? Because right now, if, if, if you've got uh, you know, $80,000 net worth and you've got 10K in the bank, it, it's gonna be very difficult to get a, to, to get a loan. So it, it's better to be honest with yourself and, and try and find ways to, to solve that issue rather than calling a bunch of banks and acting like you've got a strong net worth and, and like, ah, we'll figure it out once we get to closing or whatever it may be. Um, it's better to, uh, uh, you know, be honest with yourself and, and, and find a partner that can fill that void. Uh, I mean, I'm potentially looking at deals myself and I, I wouldn't qualify for a lot of loans I'd be going after. So I have to, you know, take my own advice and say, I, I need to find a, a partner that can help me, uh, you know, get a $2 million loan that I wouldn't be able to do on my own. And I think that's the, the big thing is just, you know, from, from the start, just be honest with them. At least you're going to know. And then be able to fill out that team. I mean, like you just said, I, I, I'm in a similar situation, you know, there's different values that I can bring to a partnership and there's voids that, that I need to have filled. You find that right team, you know, to put in place so that you look as strong as possible on that balance sheet as, you know, that experience, all of, all of those factors to be able to get you know, again, this is a great time for, uh, for borrowing money due to how low the interest rates are. You don't want to miss out, but, um, you know, that's where you got to be prepared. Yeah. And I, yeah, I would uh, piggyback on, on the interest rates. The terms right now are phenomenal. Aside from the reserves and Fannie and Freddie, right now, the terms are going to be some of the best terms ever. It's just going to be slightly more difficult to qualify. So, um, 
Yeah, like, like, like you said, I mean, it, finding a team and uh, uh, even giving up five to 10% of your company uh, in order to take down a deal, because the terms right now are phenomenal. I mean, for example, a community bank uh, interest rates are going to be around 4%, maybe slightly higher on, on different asset classes. So mobile home parks, maybe around 5%, uh, you know, stabilized department around 4%. Uh, 25-year amortization, five-year term fixed, uh, one to two years interest only. I mean, those are just very solid uh, terms from a community bank. And then Fannie and Freddie, if you're looking at, at loans that are five, six million or more, interest rates are probably less than 3%, 30-year amortization, five, seven, 10-year fixed, you know, up to three years interest only. Um, so it's some, some of the best terms ever uh it, it is it's very it's vital to uh have that experience piece um you know a, a client of mine is, is looking at a, a 24 unit and he would qualify on his own and the net worth and liquidity piece but he so freddie in particularly right will uh is normally more open to lending to a a, a newer borrower if you have a third-party management company but what they've done recently is they've increased their requirements for experienced borrowers. So you really have to have had three years of ownership of a similar size property at a minimum in order to qualify. And, and obviously there's, there's exceptions to the rule. So you can, if you've got $10 million in cash and you're buying a, a $2 million property, they'll probably give it to you. But uh, it, this, my client in particular, I went to him, I was like, look, you qualify, but it's going to be difficult to get a loan unless you bring on an experienced partner. So he was able to go out and, some, and grab someone who had, you know, a thousand units or so. And I, I don't know exactly how involved he's going to be, but he will allow the lending process to get him the optimal terms as well as, you know, it's, it's going to be a much smoother process. There'll be less questions. It's, so giving up that five to 10% of, of equity for an experienced borrower uh, at this point is very much worth it, I would say. And, you know, as a borrower, I can, I can speak from experience for uh, you, you want to have that, that team in place and kind of also have relationships with a lender or a mortgage broker like yourself that has the relationships with multiple lenders. Because uh, yeah, a couple of years back, I, I had a 88 unit property. I had a partner for it we didn't know how that process worked. I mean, we went from, you know, duplexes and, and single family stuff and, and my partner uh, flipping to this. And I mean, it was question after question after question. We were able to achieve what they needed, but we didn't really know. We didn't have everything set up ahead of, a, ahead of time. And it turned into a nightmare, ended up not getting closed. Um, you know, and you know, it, it was one of those things where it sucked at the time but I learned yeah. so much from it. So, you know, having you on the show, having people that have gone through it is to help you avoid those mistakes. So you don't miss out on a deal, but yeah, it's, it's have that stuff set up ahead of time and know what they're going to be looking at. So that's why, you know, it, it just takes a little bit of work to, like you said, the personal, the personal financial statement schedule of real estate owned. If you have anything taking a deep look at, how the lender would look at you as a borrower and fill out that team to 
to be able to get those best rates, to be able to have a smoother process and, you know, get that deal done, uh, you know, with the best, uh, best terms possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, failure is the greatest teacher, right? I mean, I, I, I've also had loans go four or five, six, seven months and, and, uh, well, not loans, just the one, <laughs> just one, but, uh, it was a brute and, and it was, uh, a question after question. And, and it's, you do learn, you need to be prepared on the front end and that makes the process significantly easier and you get better terms because if you're easier to work with, they're going to want to work with you again. And, uh, it's, you know, it, your, your lender is really your partner. I mean, they, they bring 70 to 80% of the capital to the table and, 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 they, they want to see reporting. They want to make sure they're not taking out too much risk. And so you want to, you want to treat your partner right. And I mean, you know, if you really look at it, yeah, if you're doing, whether it's a, a joint venture deal, a syndication, you know, you're raising 20 to 30%, you know, just for the down payment, plus obviously closing costs, renovation, everything that goes into it. Like you said, that lender is bringing 70 to 80% of that money. They are your biggest partner. Look at them as a partner. How would you want to treat a partner? How would you want to be, you know, looked at by a partner? The ease of being able to, you know, have them work with you is going to help you in that long run, as opposed to seeing them as, well, it's just that greedy bank that just wants to make money off of me. Well, it's a business. <laughs> That's obviously the point, but your business is to make money on these investment properties. So, you know, look at it as a, you know, a beneficial relationship, which it really is versus, they're just out to get me and make money. Well, no, yeah, they're going to make their money, but you're going to make money as well. Like, and you'll make it's, way it's more. A good thing, right? <laughs> the, the operators make way more money than the lenders. I mean, maybe not the bank itself, but the lenders, uh, the operators will make significantly higher returns. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, again, people like to do business with others that they like, you know, so be likable, be prepared, be professional. And it's going to help build that long-term relationship. I mean, if it's a community bank, you may only do a couple deals with them, but then all of a sudden a deal comes up three years down the road. It's, you know, home run, you know, value add opportunity, but it's occupancy is 70%. You know, they might be able to <laughs> work with you again because you had a couple of great transactions already, whereas it's not going to qualify for a Fannie and Freddie. You know, so it's, again, you want to be able to continue those relationships long-term. Yeah. And I, I wrote down, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. Oh, sorry. You go I, ahead. Yeah, I, I wrote down two things. I don't want to, uh, I can come back to if I, if I forget, but I, a long-term relationship, like you said, is the key piece for lending. Um, both a community bank and Fannie and Freddie will want a long-term relationship and, and just for the sake of, of your, your listeners, I didn't differentiate in the beginning, but a, a community bank is more of a, your local small lender that's willing to take slightly more risk with you. So it, it, like you said, if, if you're going for a property that's 70% occupied, chances are that uh, property is not going to meet its debt service, meaning its, its income will be either equal to or slightly less than the debt payment. Um, so a bank is willing to give you a loan on a non-cash flowing property with the hopes that in the future it will begin to cash flow. So that's a, that's a riskier asset, but your local bank is willing to do that. And that's why they're going to want a recourse loan. And that's why their interest rates will be slightly higher because they want to feel good with the recourse piece, you know, 
and they'll want to see a slightly higher margin on, on their returns because they're taking a higher risk. Whereas Fannie and Freddie are government sponsored entities that um, will only lend on stabilized properties. So properties that are 90% occupied or higher for at least the last 90 days. Um, and, and they wanna see uh, certain metrics of DSCR. They wanna see certain metrics like we, we talked about the borrower experience and net worth. So they're not in the business of taking risk. And uh, the, the, the bad news is it's, it's, there's more boxes that need to be checked, but the good news is that it's non-recourse. So you're not personally liable. So if this asset uh, stops cash flowing and, and you end up you know, not being able to make loan payments, the lender cannot go after your personal assets, whereas with a, a community bank, they can. Um, so that's kind of the difference, the difference between your local lender and Fannie and Freddie. And your local lender, by the way, will have some level of limit. So uh, you know, maybe they only want to give you $5 million in loans total before they feel like you know, that's too much for us to lend to you. And then so if you've got this fantastic opportunity that's, that's $2 million, all of a sudden you're like, oh, where do I get lending from? So uh, with, whereas Fannie and Freddie, there's not as much of a, of a uh, restriction as long as you meet the qualifications for the loans that you're going after. Um, so a lot of people will start with the local banks, they'll two, do two or three deals, and then they'll switch over to Fannie Freddie in order to get better terms. Again, you get 30 year amortization, um, you get uh, more interest only, it's non-recourse. And then they'll, the larger deals that they go after, they'll go towards Fannie and Freddie in order to not put personal recourse debt on your personal balance sheet, because you don't want to have a 12 million uh, net worth with, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's all relative, but you don't want, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't want to have 20, $30 million in recourse debt because, you know, shit happens. So uh, I'd much rather have it on a non-recourse basis with two to $3 million on recourse on, on slightly riskier assets that you're transitioning into non-recourse debt. Um, so that's, that's the difference. And the, the long-term piece, like you mentioned, is, is so important when it comes to lending because a, a lender makes money a lot of times on the transaction and they don't want just a one-time borrower where they come in, they do all this work, uh, you do one loan and leave. They want a 10, 15 year relationship uh, with you as a borrower because that's when they can really, uh, uh, one, they'll make more money. <laughs> Every business wants a long-term client I and mean, there's no secret there, um, but banks as well, eventually you'll start bringing over your deposits to the bank. So. Uh, a, a bank is limited to the amount they can lend based off the amount of deposits that they hold. So a, a bank specifically really wants a long-term relationship because eventually you'll bring deposits to them. Maybe you set up a credit card, a debit card. And so there's, that's multiple streams of revenue for the bank. Um, so that's helpful for the bank for the long-term relationship, but also for you as, as a, a, uh, a borrower, because What's going to happen, and we saw at the beginning of this year, when the economic cycle shifts, Fannie and Freddie are going to do exactly what they did, and they're going to say, hold on, you're not quite, you don't quite meet our qualifications, um, so we're pulling back, and we're not lending on as risky of borrowers and assets, um, and Bill, Bill Hamm, uh, who you know, Derek, it calls it the, the flight to quality, so Fannie and Freddie will 
uh, uh, fly to quality borrowers and properties. And then you go, well, I've got all these great opportunities. Where do I go for debt? Now you can go back to your local bank that you've had a relationship for seven to eight years now. And uh, because you have a seven to eight year relationship, now they're still willing to lend to you as if it was in the up cycle uh, because they know you and they trust you. Whereas if you were just starting out, like if, if you reach out to a bank in June of, of this year and they've never heard of you before, it's going to be really hard getting a loan versus if you've known them for seven or eight years. So I, I, the, a long-term relationship is huge in lending. And it works the same with Fannie and Freddie. Whereas if you've worked with them and you're a repeat borrower for four or five years, then all of a sudden, here comes the private label. Here comes slightly more creative products. Here, we'll, we'll include rehab into your loan. Um, you know, I haven't seen anyone get uh, no reserves, but things like that. You know, if, if you're a repeat customer, they know that there's there's less risk. They know you're going to keep doing business with you. They know they're you're easy to work with, and that's when you get better terms. That's when you get optimal terms, and it's it's more important. You, you see why it's important in a down cycle because they'll pull back and they'll say, we're not lending except for the people that we have long-term relationships with, or we know have that experience piece. So it start building relationships with lenders immediately and, and have in the back of your mind, I'm trying to build a 10, 20, 30 year relationship with you because that's, that's, that's what the lenders want. And that's what you should want as a buyer. So that was a bit of a rant, but <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to note that. No, it's good. I mean, again, coming from from being in that industry, uh, you know, like you said, in any business, you want a long term client customer, uh, you know. So they're looking for that ease ongoing because your lender, you know, it's it's their job and their job. Would you rather work five times as hard for to get that get that deal done, or would you rather have this repeat coming in five times? You know five transactions, same amount of work as one, basically, because yeah, yeah. there's so many questions, they're familiar with one another. So, you know, it's, it's something that, again, it, it's pretty common sense that it's going to be a, a better situation for all parties when there's that familiarity. Um, but you did mention with Fannie and Freddie. So two things I wanted to, to circle back to was when you say for the qual for a property to qualify, having to be 90% occupied for 90 days, is that a physical occupancy or an economic occupancy? It, it's physical occupancy. So uh, if you've got 10 units, they want to see that um, uh, 90% of them are yeah, 90% of them are occupied. And then uh, the economic occupancy is 85%. So nine out of 10 units need to be occupied physically. And then 8.5 out of 10 need to be paying rent. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, the other item, can you touch on how with, again, with the COVID reserves, how that process works? You know, like when would someone qualify to be able to get that stuff released from the reserves or what does, what's that whole situation look like right now? Sure. So uh, it's, 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 it changes a little bit depending on the loan in terms of the amount of reserves that are required. So um, with Freddie Mac on a small balance loan, it's uh, 12 months of principal and interest reserves uh, on Freddie Mac with a conventional loan. So, you know, six, 7 million or higher, 
it's six to nine months of principal and interest. Um, with Fannie Mae, um, on a small loan, so under six, seven million, it's going to be 18 months of PI reserves. And then on, on larger loans, it's 12 months of principal and interest reserves. And, and what they do is they will hold these reserves, uh, worst case scenario, 12 months. So let's say the economy gets worse, we have civil war. Uh, what the wording has said right now is worst case scenario, they'll hold it for 12 months, as long as you are meeting uh, your DSCR and occupancy requirements. Uh, if before then, if the state of emergency is lifted for both the state, local and national uh, legislators, uh, as long as you meet your DSCR and your occupant requirements for the next 90 days, then they'll be re released then. So it's, it's possible that you know, these reserves are released within the next three or four months. It's also possible, worst case scenario, they're held for 12, um, as long as you're, you're still meeting your DSCR requirements and, and, and occupancy requirements. All right, great. And then, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's something where you're going to get them back. You know, it's just a matter of how long until then. So I, I've got to convince some borrowers. Some borrowers are like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'll never get them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if you want to want to look at it that way, but you know, get the property performing, obviously, you know, for people who got say a, a deep value add, you know, in February, and all of a sudden it's not being able to get filled, you know, it's like you said, shit happens, Yeah. you know, but yep. you know, if you have that team with that experience, you're going to be able to navigate, you're going to get that money back. Don't, don't let that be a deal breaker to get a, you know, a 3% interest rate, you know, just, yeah. If it's a syndicated deal, you have to raise extra capital. It's going to hurt those numbers, but it's going to come back, you know, again, unless, you know, you want to just envision that it's never going to happen and it's all going to disappear and go, you know, oops, but that's not going to happen. You'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah. Um, good. I was going to say the, uh, what a lot of it, so one, the um, we're actually seeing more volume, like historic volumes in terms of lending for Fannie and Freddie. I mean, they're still doing crazy numbers. So people are accepting the reserves and what a lot of people are doing are at, planning to put those reserves towards the rehab budget in year two. So uh, basically the amount you would raise for your rehab budget, you know, to turn or fix the roofs or turn, you know, 40% of the units or so, um, they will plan for like the minimal amount of rehab year one and then year two, uh, take those PI reserves and put them towards the rehab budget. So I think that's how a lot of the syndicators are, are getting around it. Um, but yeah, the, the historic levels of volume. So a lot of people are still doing these loans. Yeah, it's again, different lending environments. You're going to have different hurdles to be able to get stuff done. It's you always have to be able to adapt, um, you know, so kind of looking at, again, a new borrower or newer, say you have experience in real estate, say even, you know, those 20 unit properties, but you're looking to go up to a hundred unit property, or you've had duplexes looking just to get into multifamily. So you're kind of you're transitioning from whichever stage you're at. What are, you know, a few things that, um, say three things that, that new borrowers or transitioning borrowers should be doing right now to help uh, that ease of, of getting that financing, um, you know, say 
in 2021, assuming that things don't take a step backwards, you know, we stay where we're at or improve. So that caveat. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's say you're going from duplexes and single family into the larger deals. And this is, uh, what a lot of people are, are doing. Um, the first thing, like, like I mentioned, is the, the documents. So you want to have all of your documents in order. Um, and if, if you don't know what the documents are, call a lender and ask. I mean, uh, call me and ask me or shoot me an email and ask, and I, I can give you a, 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 an overview. Um, two, um, flex on your experience. So uh, I, I feel young using flex, but <laughs> um, uh brag on your work experience and your experience so far. So if, if you've worked as an engineer for a, a lot of your life, that's a very difficult, uh, high stress, meticulous, detailed job. And you can say to your lender, you know, look, I've been an engineer for 10, 15 years. Um, that's required me to go to school. It's required me to put in 60, 70 hour weeks. It, you know, I, I know what it takes to get shit done. And it, that is, that shows that you're a credible person because lenders are lending on the asset, but they're also lending and, and trusting in you as, as a partner. Um, so whatever your tasks you've accomplished in your previous life, uh, mention that and, and highlight that in your, your bios, your summary, when you're talking to lenders, and then any experience you've done with single family or with your duplexes, you know, Brag on that as well. Like talk about how you manage it. Talk about how you found it. Talk about how you structure your leases. Talk about how your, your debt is structured. Talk about your, your, your plans moving forward and how you've been very meticulous and why you're jumping into multifamily or, or larger assets. Um, so uh, again, brag about the experience you do have. And, and if, you're just, if there's a wall that you're hitting and you're just not able to get over it, that's where the partner is going to come in. I mean, it, sometimes you just have to have a partner sign for it. Um, I mean, I had a client do a, 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 you know, close to a $7 million deal recently. And these are guys that um, are very experienced. I mean, both of them had 50 million plus done in transactions and they just, point blank didn't qualify no matter how much they bragged or whatever it may be. So they had to tap into their network and they brought in a, a balance sheet borrower uh, to just sign on the loan. Uh, so, you know, if, if, if having prepared docs and bragging on your experience doesn't work, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and bring in that, that partner. And it, it may be a, you know, if you're going for a 20 unit, it may be your uncle that's, that's got, two, 300 grand in, in, uh, in, in liquidity. And if you don't have an uncle that's got that, you know, that's where the power of networking comes to play. And, and, uh, you know, it's, we're in a relationship business. So you need to be connected and, and know people and, and make an effort. If you know that your balance sheet is your weakness, make an effort to get in rooms where there's people with large balance sheet sheets and be likable. I mean, it's, uh, that's, those are the three things I would say, um, for someone to make that switch in this lending environment that would help quite a bit. Yeah. Great, great tips there. And, you know, is there anything else, you know, in this realm of, of financing and uh, a lending granted just in general or where we're at uh, with today's lending market that people should, should know about you want to just uh, mention yet? Um, 
off the top of my head, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would just say uh, I'll, I'll just double down on on the experience piece. Like, uh, uh, make an effort to know what your lender is looking for um, in in experience, and uh, just be honest with will you qualify or not. And if if not, you know, make make an effort to improve that. Uh, I guess. Something that just came to me in, in terms of the lending environment is a a lot of banks and lenders in general right now are assessing their uh, their goals for 2021, and the goals being how much do they want to do in loan volume over the next year, and what asset classes they want to do those loans in. So that's not necessarily something that's come out yet, but it's something to pay attention to if, if you are interested in kind of studying the debt world is, uh, you know, what, what's Fannie and Freddie's cap going to be 2021? What's your local banks? What's their appetite for lending over the next year in whatever asset class you're going for? You know, I'd imagine it's multifamily for the most part, but, um, you know, kind of keep that in mind. Are, are, what's 2021 going to look like for lending from your lenders? And, you know, maybe try and pick their brain on it because that'll give you insight into if it's going to be easier or harder. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to, to kind of have that. I mean, again, there's so many factors that can uh, that can change. And I mean, we went through a, a pretty good run. We were due to have some form of uh, correction or hiccup. So, mm-hmm. you know, this year has certainly uh, thrown, thrown quite a few loops in. But, you know, again, you just adapt to it. You find ways to get deals done. You don't want to miss out on that, that great opportunity. And, you know, see that lender as your biggest partner. Work well with your biggest partner. It's going to help you tenfold uh, in the long run. But, uh, you know, where can, uh, if people want to reach out to you, they have questions or they're looking to get some debt or just, you know, kind of, again, want to talk some stuff through, what's the best way for uh, for our listeners to uh, to find you and and reach out to you? Yeah, best is email. So my email is will, W-I-L-L, at randcre.com. So will at randcre.com, R-A-N-D-C-R-E.com. Uh, and then you can check out our website at randcapllc.com. Um, I, I, I love answering questions about community banks or Fannie or Freddie. So shoot me an email with questions, or if you're interested in, in, in a deal specifically and you want to get it sized up, uh, shoot me over an email and, and I'll, I'll replug the personal financial statement template. This is the, it's the best personal financial statement I've ever seen. And I, I am biased because I built it, but <laughs> uh, we, we, we got it from uh, a, uh, a Freddie Mac. So it's, it's a template specifically built for lending. Um, it's, it's by far the best personal financial statement I've seen. Uh, so again, rancre.com forward slash PFS. Uh, download that template. If you have questions on it, uh, give me an email. And there's there's uh, videos in that template where I walk you through how to fill it out. So that's super helpful as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of plugs there. Hey, that's what we're here for. All that stuff will be in, uh, in the show notes as well. So for ease, just a, a one click, check out the show notes and uh, yeah, certainly encourage everyone to, uh, to reach out. If they have questions, uh, reach out to Will. He's uh, he knows his stuff. So uh, I've had the, the privilege of knowing him for a uh, 
coming up on a couple of years uh, before too long, but uh, yeah. certainly a wealth of knowledge. Again, direct experience, uh, both with community banks, now with Fannie and Freddie. So you get both sides of it. And uh, yeah, certainly a, a valuable resource uh, to have in your network. Yeah, I appreciate it, Derek. It's uh, been a pleasure knowing you as well. <laughs> hey, thanks. But uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. You know, it's always good to, to stay up to date on, on what's happening in, uh, in the world of lending. So appreciate the time and, and look forward to future conversations. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. Please be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. The links will be in the show notes. And if you enjoy the show, please be sure to share it out on social media so that we can reach more and more people to help educate them about the opportunity that multifamily investing provides to help reach their version of retirement sooner than later. Take care, everyone. <music>